those space people a podcast series of casual cosmic conversations with people working on exciting space projects today we have surbhi bagotia with us she is an engineer at the indian space research organization isro and surbhi has a background in aerospace engineering and has mainly been working on the launch vehicles of isro and most lately the human space flight mission of isro which is gaganyaan Welcome to the podcast, Surbhi. Thank you, Rachna. I'm very happy to be here. It is my first podcast. I'm very excited as well. And especially since we've known each other since, wow, it's been 12 years? Yes, more than that. Yeah. 13 years. 13 years. Great. So you have graduated, I mean, we have graduated from IIST, which is the Indian Institute of Space Science and Technology. And then we were directly absorbed into ISRO as an engineer. So, and you were the second intake of this institute, right? It hardly had a campus back then. It was backed by ISRO, but still ISRO was itself was not as well known as it is today yeah. and not as covered by the mainstream media back then as it, as it is today. So what gave you the confidence to choose this new institute for your bachelor? Actually, frankly, I, I was interested in aerospace engineering and I had this in mind that wherever I, if it's a good institute and if I get into this course, I would really go for it. And what we found out then was that it was an institute started by ISRO. So we had a direct link to ISRO and we could do our internships or get to learn from the people working there. So that was a very obvious choice for me to fly uh, so far away from my family and study here that was also another point right it was in trivandrum and the other corner of the country so what was your role when you joined isro and can you talk about your career progression since then so i did my aerospace engineering in iast and i did my project in uh, mechanisms basically uh, it's called the mole mechanism which burrows into the soil of other planets or uh, basically this was for the moon and the soft soil of the moon surface the regolith so having that kind of a project i i was working with isaac kurian sir in our college and we got an opportunity to work in isac which is now ursc in bangalore which is the satellite center and uh, from there i i had this inclination towards mechanisms and fortunately i also got inducted into the group called aerospace mechanisms group in isro which doesn't happen all the time that you work on something and you get in that so i was very happy and the first uh, project that i started with was related to the human space flight project although it was a very small system but it gave me an opportunity to do the work starting from scratch the design part then the testing analysis everything coming to the realization of the product and its integration and post flight analysis so it was uh, it was like a whole wholesome experience for me starting from the very beginning and how did you progress are you still working with the mechanisms or which other roles have you worked in yes i am still working in the mechanisms group but uh, the area has broadened out i have been working for the payload fairing systems which is the main system to protect the satellite when it goes through the atmospheric phase and now uh, being in the gaganyaan project i have been working on the umbilical system which is connecting the crew module to the service module 
for servicing and providing the oxygen supply and exchanging heat between the CM and SM. So these kind of systems I'm working on currently. Wow. I mean, like you said, it's uh, not only lucky for the IAST-ISRO combination that you got, you know, got into mechanisms from the beginning, from your master thesis itself, but I think it's quite unique for any engineering student, right? For any engineer to do this. So this is quite awesome. So how does your typical work week look like? What do you do in a typical week? So, for example, if there is a a system design and development of a new system, we would take a very long time to uh, look at all the inputs and specifications and start, you know, it's a creative process in the beginning when we start thinking about how to bring together all the things that are required and form a system out of it. So I, I know I can see myself drawing once in a while how it would be connected and it starts from that and then we get to draw it on the software the solid model of it and then we slowly get into the drawing aspects and the actual calculations and analysis both on paper as well as using all the tools available to us Um, the analysis structural analysis frequency analysis and things like that it takes a lot of time this design part then it comes to the drawing generation and implementation part so we that is the part which i do not like very much which is getting these things fabricated and you know uh, it involves a lot of uh, talking with the agencies involved and uh, a constant follow-up of how it's going, providing them with materials. But it it helps us to understand what are the problems in actual realization, which we sometimes do not understand during the design phase itself. So it it's quite nice, the whole thing. And of course, the testing gives us a lot of confidence of what we have done is right. And we can go ahead with it. And finally, the best part is to see your system in action, which which also I had the opportunity many times to to have, to feel, to experience that. It was amazing. Wow, that definitely sounds so fascinating. I assume that you're usually working on multiple projects like most people at ISRO, right? So how often do you have to context switch and how does that affect you? Okay, so yeah, we, we prioritize our work based on the launch schedules and the other things. The main... Uh, ongoing launch vehicle work it is not continuous it it get, it peaks up during like just one month before the launch if we have all these systems uh, ready then just one month before the launch we start preparing for it and we have a few days where we have to travel to the launch port Sriharikota and spend a few days there work on our systems integrated finally to the launch vehicle and come back so I would say uh, those things take priority during the the launch campaign, but uh, all the rest of the time, we have the time to design new systems, work on. In fact, uh, we are encouraged to work on systems that we would like to be working on. It's called Technology Development Program, and we ourselves can propose projects, take funding for it if it is approved, and, and progress on that too. That's awesome. Wow. That's Sounds really cool. Can you talk about what really happens at your center? What part of the rocket do you develop and design? Actually, Vikram Sarabhai Space Center is dealing with the complete rocket. So uh, we have people working on the 
uh, solid propellants. Uh, then we have people from the structures group, aerodynamics groups. My entity is the mechanisms, vehicle integration and testing. And then there are checkout and avionics. There are so many entities which work on the complete rocket. In our group, we work on the separation systems of the rocket. So all the stage separation systems and also uh, the strap-on separations. Then we have the system that I'm working on is the payload fairing separation systems. And also smaller systems like walls or, uh, you know, throughout the rocket, uh, there are smaller systems. So VSSC basically uh, works on the whole launch vehicle. So a lot of the cryo uh, engine development happens at the other center in Mahindragiri and assembly. Of course, we have the launch and a little bit of assembly happening at Char Sriharikota. It was originally probably set up this way because it was dictated by supply chain. Sarabhai or Dhawan, the pioneers had to approach commercial vendors because to custom make all these parts and components at the very beginning. And that's probably why uh, not just the launch vehicle, but yes. the other satellite parts, right? Because we have the payload uh, mostly research happening in Ahmedabad at PRL and SAC and you know it's quite spread out and the image processing happening in Hyderabad and satellites in Bangalore so this was probably the biggest reason the supply chain demand but do you see at any point everything getting vertically integrated at one place do you see for Gaganyan or let's say future missions ISRO trying to bring all stages of rocket manufacturing and even the satellite and everything closer physically I've never thought of that, actually. <laughs> it's so ingrained in us to work like this that I've never thought of it all happening at the same place. But uh, if we have a big enough place to do that and all people at the same place, yes, maybe we can do like that. But the trend that I've seen in the past few years is that we are trying to give it out to the industry. So especially the PSLV, uh, launch vehicle related things are all being given to the industry and they are the ones who are going to come and also integrate it at Sriharikota in the future. So we are still in the process of technology transfer and there's a lot of things happening uh, when we want to do that, especially different centers are involved in this kind of process. I, I don't really, I haven't thought of that, no. <laughs> Just curious because, uh, you know, after SpaceX has brought in this yes. entire vertical integration kind of concept. So traditionally, no, I don't think any part of the world or any of the legacy space agencies do that. They all do it kind of ISRO style. Yes. So I was kind of curious. Yeah, like you said, maybe the industry would do this. It would make probably make more sense for the industry. So, so yeah, speaking of SpaceX, how often do you guys, you know, rocket scientists at ISRO, how often do you guys uh, talk about SpaceX or do these latest suborbital flights, Blue Origin, the Virgin Galactic's flight? So, uh, like, we have small groups on WhatsApp and other places. Other than that, we when we gather as friends, uh, not so much, but in these groups which are dedicated to the things happening all around the world, especially all the new space tourism-related stuff that is happening, we keep connected in these kind of groups on WhatsApp. And uh, there are conversations on Reddit that I follow, but I wouldn't say I'm very, very active in all those. <laughs> How much of your time in a week or in a day is spent on documentation? Because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of documentation, ISRO being a publicly funded institute and, you know, it being rocket science, literally. Yeah. How much is actual uh, development testing and how much is documentation part of your work? I would say that time of the design, especially when you have to make these kind of design documents, which can be used later by people. And 
all the assembly procedures and all it takes uh, a lot of time in the beginning but once they are set we don't need to do too much for them so i would say that in the whole design process if you if you consider it would be like 40% of it would be documentation because you have to put a lot of time and effort into arranging all kinds of requirements and how you are proving your system to meet all those requirements i think it takes a lot of time yes Wow. Okay, I've only worked on satellites, like really small satellites, and it's. Uh, I'm I'm glad it's not forty percent. <laughs> <laughs> I I I'm saying about the design process. Uh, once it's done and dusted, uh, when we go into the production mode or the you know launch, then it doesn't take much time because it's already there. Only a few changes here and there. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine launch vehicle is much more critical. It's much more complex. So yeah, I mean, it's reassuring. I'm glad that a rocket is getting 40% documentation. But yeah, wow, that's a lot. It's often said, right, the Apollo rockets or the entire Apollo mission, it cannot really be replicated right now because, well, if you take away the funding part of it, there are so many details, design details lost because none of the engineers who actually worked on it are either no more or they're no longer in service. You could not really have documented every single thing about those rockets and the whole mission. What aspects of rocket design cannot really be documented? What I have seen in ISRO is that most of the things that are being uh, used in the design and how we arrive at that are documented but there is a lot of space from actually thinking it in your head and writing it in a document all that uh, iterations that you do in your mind or the the choices in your design that you look into and the reasons for not going or neglecting or negating those choices those are the kind of things that we don't really put into it so if somebody is thinking in the future about why this kind of system was used. They don't know why the others were not used because it's not documented. So if they go back to those choices, they will learn the hard way that, okay, this was the reason that it's, it does not work so well. And that is why. So I, I believe that these, these things, when you go from your uh, imagination to the paper, these things where you make these decisions are not all very well documented. That might be one part. And um, I think the actual failures that happen and all is and also the meetings that happen and what were the decisions or suggestions of the committee, those are all very well noted and documented in ISRO. So that means it makes sense if a certain person has been working on certain part of the rocket design or the testing, it only makes sense for them to continue working on it and not to start something, I don't know, every five years, like switch your area and start working on some other part of the rocket design because you lose all that legacy, undocumentable experience of that person. So given that, how are teams formed to work on a specific project? So how often can people choose to work on something else that they've never done before? And if there's a new project, how are you assigned into teams? What I've seen is that uh, in the very beginning, and uh, I would say the beginning to be the first five to seven years, people are kept at the same place because it's still a learning phase. And what I've seen is only after a certain level, like we have different grades of engineers. So after spending some 10 to 12 years in a particular place, people tend to look forward and uh, explore other areas. So I've seen the switch happening much more at a higher level as compared to a junior level. There have been talks about these things, but uh, 
we have to find a solution of how not to you know disrupt all the the work that is happening and also explore these kind of things because it is really good for an individual person to be able to understand different things yes but it's very slow in the beginning yeah i mean of course it's a very engineering it's not like software right so it's a very yes. engineering intense good to know but there's still a chance to switch most often in the space sector right teams uh, kind of work in silos so for instance the ones building the launch vehicle don't know much about the satellite except for let's say its target orbit and the ones who are actually building let's say an earth observation satellite they don't really you know understand much about the image processing aspects what really happens on the downstream zooming in a little further into just the launch vehicle part of this how much does the structures team let's say know about the propulsion system or how much does the mechanisms team know about the trajectory profile and does it matter to know about this at all or not or what do you think i think it matters and we have very uh, less communication unless we are personally very interested to talk to people and go out and explore but the one place where i have learned a lot is attending all these meetings of higher level committees because those are the places where we can see why the other groups or teams are working in a certain way and how they arrived at it so i've learned a lot from those kind of meetings so whenever i find time and able to attend meetings which are not also related to my work i would i do that and being online has helped a bit because during these times of lockdown uh, we could attend a few meetings which were related to other systems and teams so the things get much more clearer but i would still say that there is a lot of communication lacking in this way not only at center levels but also within the center how much we know about the different teams working and everything it's a bit less as compared to what we would like to have what measures do you think could be taken to improve this communication okay so first of all uh, i think starting from a personal or a, a smaller team level uh, i think the higher management can be encouraging about these things encouraging the new ones to go out and learn i've seen a few people doing that uh, because some of my juniors th- those who are working in the space transportation systems and those who are dealing with the whole launch vehicle i saw them coming to us in sri harikota asking us things about oh ma'am how is this working how uh, how it's connected or how do you bring it and who assembles it so i've seen many juniors coming up and it was not only from their insight that they wanted to learn this it was also an encouragement from their uh, you know division head or group head whoever is so i i think that can be done from the management level and those who are approaching us for information i think we should be open enough to share uh, what we have learned and if if that kind of attitude is there it it would be much better now that you've mentioned these online meetings this is something quite new i guess at istro at least compared to several years ago covid kind of digitalized the entire world yes what impact did covid have on the work culture at istro i think it was a necessary change which was brought uh, by covid because we were all in lockdown and we still had to keep working this kind of change i would not have imagined if there was no covid because i remember us going from one part of the city to the other part of the city to an- attend a meeting which is going to happen because of course personal meetings are better you can hear people better you can understand everything better but switching to an online mode has saved us a lot of time and 
it has uh, helped us to explore more different things so if it was only a physical meeting to attend i would not have gone into the other teams or other launch vehicles but now if i am available if i have the link i surely do attend the meetings of other teams so i can learn more about the other systems other launch vehicles and in fact the best part would be that remote launch control center which is so they are handling everything from sitting in Trivandrum itself for something that is happening in Sri Harikota. So that is wonderful. Yeah, because I have, a lot of people keep traveling, right? Like half the year they spend at Char, even though you're actually employed in Trivandrum. Yeah. Kind of disrupts, I guess, your personal life. So it's good to have that. So like most publicly funded institutions, mostly seems like ISRO is also quite top down, as in the roadmap is usually set at the very top. However, that said, because you also have a lot of um, a lot of opportunities to suggest your own projects and secure funding so how much autonomy is given to engineers who are actually working on an execution of a particular project do decisions travel from the bottom to the top as well yes actually the designers and uh, the system development agencies have a lot of freedom to design the systems uh, we are just given the requirements and we can if we are meeting that requirements we can propose different kinds of systems and the the first level at which these kind of choices are accepted or rejected is the a meeting that is before the preliminary design review it's the system concept review so that is where it's like we have to defend our system and say why this particular choice is better than all the rest so i would say till that we have a lot of freedom even after that we we have a lot of freedom in the design how is the work environment at a large isro center because you work at the largest centers of isro right the vssc and i'm very curious because i only worked at one of the very tiny centers where everybody knew everything about everybody else so how would you find the work culture and the environment for us uh, i think it's very professional and uh, we we do not have many meetups outside of the office uh, it depends on like if there is a like for now in my division we have a lot of young people so we plan sometimes other than that uh, in the office the work, work culture is mostly professional and if we are part of some kind of societies together like aerospace mechanisms there is a separate society so then we have some meetups which are family oriented but other than that it's more of a professional setup where we help each other and uh, yeah now that you mentioned young people joining right Gen Z is now entering the workforce and they probably already started entering the work workforce at ISRO. So how do you think they would impact the ISRO work culture in the years to come? Because definitely a lot of has changed since us millennials have been working for the last couple of decades. Yes. And how do you think this new generation would bring about a change? I think what I have seen also and I I think it will be much more in the future is finding solutions of doing things in a faster way. Uh, more aut- automatic especially i remember doing the post flight analysis and analyzing the data in a very crude way in the big beginning and now i have seen it being transitioned to something which which is taking very less time to analyze all that data so we can focus more on the on things that we can infer from the data rather than spending time on actually working with that data so these kind of things i've seen improving and i am very hopeful for the future too and also the 
switching to new technologies especially for for smaller systems where we are given the freedom to change certain things i think the young young people would be having more creative ideas for that i find myself now in the middle uh, not too old and not too young so i can i i see myself bridging the gap somehow <laughs> yeah that's that's great it's a fun time i guess can we talk about your work probably a little more in detail uh, around gaganyaan Yes, of course. I was very interested when I heard that India is going to have its own, you know, humans in space. So from the very beginning I was getting it known to the seniors that I would like to have work on that and I also was somehow trying to find a way in which I can get related to the human space flight center and work there, but it did not work out. As I told you earlier also now the the work of Gaganyaan is still concentrated on different centers because we already have the necessary infrastructure for testing and the people all the software is required so it's all in different centers so i am working currently on this umbilical system connecting the crew module to the service module which is essential for the environmental and life support systems for the crew as well as to remove all the heat from the crew module and bring it to the service module service module is much more like a satellite so it provides all the power and the oxygen and the other things and crew module will be self sustainable only during the reentry till that it will be getting all all these things from the service module so i am designing and developing a system which is connecting these two and accommodates all the fluid and electrical lines That sounds so cool like for someone who's only done electronics you know we don't really get to see our work actually fly to space it's it's kind of very diverse uh, it consists of different agencies working together so i'm from vssc but we have people working from lpsc also from the pyro divisions and ursc the satellite center because we are all working together so it is giving me a very good diverse experience of how to work along with different people and sometimes we have to compromise on our design in order to meet the requirements of others so that is a a challenge that we have been facing how do you manage version control in designs right so usually when we talk about software and when multiple people or groups are working on a single piece of uh, code so you have these automated version control tools and softwares that you use is there something like that for designers or developers who are working yeah it's called the configuration control for us and it gets fixed once we go through the preliminary design review and we generate the first set of drawings and we control those drawings that if we want to bring about any changes to that that would be a change in the version of that so so we we control it basically from the point of view of the drawings generated as well as the uh, the design document that was reviewed by a certain committee do you use proprietary tools for this or commercial tools not really at the moment uh, no we have our internal configuration control teams so we will have a chairperson for that and we would be going and showing them our drawings and designs and these committees for review they are they're all internal they are not we are not using proprietary tools for that you're also a big part of the IIST the Indian Institute of Space Science and Technology ISRO's very own space university in India you are a huge part of the alumni association of iist or actually the president congratulations again on being elected 
Thank you. Thank you, Rajni. You've been really involved and you've been running a lot of activities and you've been engaging a lot of alumni and students from the very beginning, almost, I guess, for around 10 years. So what challenges have you faced in establishing this alumni association? Because it took quite some time and it's also very difficult to set it up and get it running and put some momentum into it, especially given the small number of people who are graduating every year. I was involved from the very beginning, the first uh, term of the Alumni Association governing body, which was in the past two years, 2019. But you know, the first batch uh, passed out in 2011. So there was a huge gap between 2011 and 2019. And it saw a few meetups, but not much. And I am sure no, not many people were involved or knowing. So there was a huge lacuna. And we are trying to just, you know, bring back, as you said, the momentum. In the past two years, we faced difficulty in getting people registered also for this because I think we need to have a more bigger campaign for registration and making people aware of the benefits of this kind of thing. I think one thing that prevents us from uh, engaging too much in this is that most of the people, at least half of the people, are already set into their jobs in ISRO. So they don't have much requirement of engaging with the others outside of it so they are all in their own bubble and whenever there is someone who wants to go for higher studies or who wants to pursue other fields or change a career uh, path so that is when people start exploring these things but we want to also tell and show that not only outside of ISRO but even inside of ISRO if we want to have a good engagement and Rachna we were just talking about how we can get to know what are the other teams working on. If we have such an engagement within ourselves, it will be so easy for us to contact anyone from that team and ask on a very personal, in a very comfortable zone, we can ask them about their work and all the kinds of questions that we might have about their work. So I think it will be very, very important both inside and outside of ISRO to have this engagement. I completely agree. And also maybe 20 or 30 years down the lane when the alumni within ISRO get into these leadership roles closer to the very top, I think it's advantageous to the organization to have such close and personal ties between the various heads, of the centers and the top management. So yeah, I hope that uh, continues, but it's, it's a great initiative. So usually space across the world, right? Space is a very, very small community. And even within this community, we have these tiny groups for instance, we have the ISU, the International Space University Alumni Network, and we also have Space Master Alumni Network, and again, this IAST Alumni Network, and a lot of people belong to multiple of these networks. So do you have anything in the agenda of the Alumni Association to collaborate with these other networks across the world? Especially now that a few IISTNs, you know, they've also gone on to these other networks. They're now part of these other networks internationally. Actually, we had not discussed about this type of thing till now, but it's a very good idea. And uh, this would be uh, a thing which would be appreciated by all the alumni members, I guess, because that will help us to reach out and have a perspective from the outside of how, how it is and the sharing of experiences at a higher level. So... That is something I think I can uh, pursue in the next two years with the new team. Yeah, that would be fabulous. And I'm happy to help in any little way that I can. 
Surbi, you also attend a lot of space conferences, not just the ones at ISRO, but then which are organized, let's say the ORF conference or the other, a lot of other dialogues that are happening in, in, in India. And you must have encountered and met and spoken to a lot of people who are from outside of India or outside of ISRO working in space. Have you observed any changes in the mentality, in the mindset or in the work culture compared to ISRO and at space outside of ISRO? What I found in these kind of conferences was that I was myself going out of my bubble and uh, trying to understand how uh, the space community functions outside. And uh, what I could see is that it's more interdisciplinary. I find ISRO to be very, very much into the engineering aspects and all that. Or maybe it's just because I'm at this level in the in the workforce if i go higher maybe i would be able to understand the whole connection of how uh, we get connected to the various agencies and the but uh, what i could see is that there was a lot of talk about space policy and how things should be moving in the future bringing out systems which would be which would make the business easier for the new space startups so these kind of things are not uh, discussed much inside of ISRO. We are mostly dedicated to the technical stuff and only maybe the very, very higher management who is uh, involved with the, the whole functioning of the country and the, the space industry in the country are having a good idea about that. But uh, we at our level do not discuss it as much. So it was a very good uh, moment for me to explore the things outside, get to know more people. I found some of our batchmates there, Pratip, Gagan, and all those people. So Divyanshu. So it was good to connect with them at that level. And also, there was a very good conference uh, on human spaceflight, uh, HSP 2020, in the beginning of 2020, before the COVID started. So it was a, an international conference, and uh, there were many astronauts and people. So I think we in ISRO can also you know, bring that kind of enthusiasm, which I saw in these kind of conferences. It was so great to talk to that uh, person, the astronaut personally, and uh, understand their experiences, because it's not only this part, the working part, but it's also what happens over there and what we are venturing into. If we we are fascinated by it, it is going to be very helpful for us to keep working in that field. The public outreach part has been a little uh, lacking, I would say, compared to the other space agencies. But but I always attributed it to the lack of funding. We usually work on shoestring budgets. It is still done, uh, especially during the space week time. And many schools are being involved. So at least the younger generation is still being motivated and enthused by all these things. But yeah, we can still do there is a lot of scope for improvement. I guess it also helps that ISRO is already quite popular. It's one of the best performing public institutions in the country. Yes. People already have a wonderful opinion on ISRO. What skill set or advanced degrees are required for people to work on launch vehicles in general or in particular in your area? So we have uh, mostly mechanical engineers and a few aerospace engineers aerodynamics and other things uh, have people specialized into those fields. So all fields of engineering from the basic fields of mechanical, electrical to the specialized fields of aerospace, avionics, and also streams related to physical sciences. I think we need both people from the major fields of mechanical as well as specialized fields. Uh, there are people from 
acoustics, aeroelasticity, structures, those are the kind of fields in my work domain. So a bachelor degree would be sufficient quite often to work here? Yes, but in ISRO, if we have an understanding of how we can propose a project and work on it, understand the whole functioning, I think a master's degree would be beneficial. And I've seen that people from aerospace and avionics are not pursuing PhDs as much, maybe because of the uh, leave restrictions and all those things. But, but a master's degree is definitely something which is important at this level. Thank you, Surbi. You've shared a lot of fascinating insights into how it is to work at ISRO. You know, it's really cool, especially given that it's such a celebrated place in India to work at. So if space enthusiasts or students or young professionals want to reach out to you, is there a way and what's the best way to do so? I can be contacted both on LinkedIn as well as uh, my personal email address, which is just my name, surbibhagotia at gmail.com. I would be happy to help anyone who wants to know more or look for opportunities inside. That's great. Thank you so much for your time and it's so lovely to chat with you. Thank you, Rachna, for inviting me. It was a pleasure from my side. I really loved talking to you this way.